revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. up what's up everybody this is wits and Roz here at the sporting edge we are back and better than ever we are blessed to be joined by brennan schlebig he is one of our blog contributors he is going to be giving us some nba inside stuff harry wall his partner who also contributes on our blog page is not here today due to business constraints but brennan we are happy to have you what is peeving you and what has got you anxious about the nba free agency which started today What's up, guys? Really, my biggest concern as the Cavaliers fanatic I am is what are we going to do? Obviously, free agency isn't really a move for us. We have to make some big trades. I'm not sure if I like the Carmelo Anthony buyout situation. Love to see Paul George, but outside of that, I think that Boston's going to make some big moves so the Eastern Conference could be up in question. So that's kind of where my head's at. I'm getting nervous. I don't know if LeBron's coming back after 2018, so... This year's our year if we're going to do anything. Yeah, so what do you think about Paul George? Is he enough to beat this Warriors team next year? When I look at really what the problem with the Cavs was in the finals was when LeBron went on the bench. They were, it was stupid how he would sit for two minutes and they would go like minus 15. Um, so I think you get someone one that can relieve him defensively on Durant. When Richard Jefferson at 36 is your best defender on Durant outside of LeBron, that's a big problem. And then also can relieve some of the scoring duties, work with that second unit that LeBron was so good with earlier in the playoffs. You make that difference, I think that brings you a lot closer to at least a 6-7 game series, if not you know, maybe changing the outcome. Game 3, I think they win if they have Paul George for sure. And then you're going in 2-2 back to Game 5 to Golden State. It's a completely different series. Can I can I come back to a point? You you and many other people in my life don't like the idea of a Carmelo Anthony buyout, and I'm on the complete other end. I've been saying it all week on every show that I've done. Why? Especially since the Carmelo thing would only happen. He sucks. But minus that, but if the car, if the Paul George <laughs> coming to Cleveland happens, Carmelo is the 
best thing that Cleveland can go for because that's just going to be another score. I don't care defensively what he has to bring to the table. And I think he actually would bring more to this Cavs team because he's playing with LeBron, a person who makes his teammates around him better. But think about it. So if you want Paul George, who is going to be that defensive person when LeBron goes off the court to help this team, then you got Carmelo also staying on the court, who's just going to be that perennial scorer that he has been since he's been in the league. So for Cleveland's sake... I think Carmelo's a good choice. You can throw it right back in my face, Brennan, but I just think that would be one of the most fantastic teams out there if it was LeBron, Carmelo, Paul George, and Kyrie Irving. I mean, are you saying that I get Paul George with it? Then, yeah, I'm taking Carmelo Anthony, one of the best scorers the league's ever seen. Um, if I have my choice, one of the two, I'm taking Paul George. Granted, I still back to my statement about us not being able to score. When LeBron's off the floor, Carmelo definitely relieves that duty. Um, the, my main concern is offensively, obviously he can fill it up, but he's so ball-dominant, and so is LeBron, and so is Kyrie. It's the same thing, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, people are worried about now with Houston, with Chris Paul and James Harden. They're two ball-dominant players who need the ball in their hands all the time to make others better, like you said, with LeBron. And I think that all of a sudden you put three, maybe four ball-dominant guys on the floor, you don't have the sharp shooting of Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Seth Curry, so the motion offense they run, getting shooters up and making the extra pass isn't necessarily the same in that situation if you put Paul George, LeBron, and Kyrie on the floor at the same time. Yeah, I actually want I wanted to get your opinion on the James Harden, or excuse me, the Chris Paul to the Rockets with James Harden. Um, what do you think this does to their outlook You know, in terms of getting to that NBA championship, which I don't think they will, but does this make them a lot better? Was it worth it? And would you have rather seen Chris Paul go somewhere else? I mean, Chris Paul orchestrated everything he wanted for a year trial with James Harden, so kudos to him. I think that the transition in the league being from, you know, when we saw the big three with Danny Ainge doing stuff and Boston starting the whole super teams, if you want to call it that, um, now the players are really taking control, which maybe started with LeBron. I know a lot of people say that, but I think that Houston is interesting. Um, Chris Paul, obviously, if you have the chance to trade for a superstar, you do it. That's just how the league works, and that's how the NBA operates. So I think Daryl Morey did everything he needed to do there. Um, In terms of how it'll work, I think that it's going to be exciting to watch nonetheless. Um, Like I said, they aren't both very ball-dominant, but James Harden's played off the ball in the past. And I think really having two guys that can handle and create and they both can shoot from the three is not the end of the world. Um, you look at Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, kind of were both ball-dominant, can score in isolation, but they also can create. I'm not saying it's going to be as lethal as that, but it's not the worst situation or problem to have to have two superstars in your backcourt. No, absolutely. The real concern there is not so much the Chris Paul and James Harden gelling, which everyone seems to want to talk about, but it's not enough pieces. And I'm curious if there is anything in free agency out there for this Houston Rockets team that could really take this team to the next level and really compete with the Golden State Warriors. If it's going to be anything, it's going to have to be a mid-tier player unless they make a trade. I think that the way they improve by adding another big splash is through a trade, which Carmelo Anthony's been talked about if he moves from New York through a trade, it would be to Houston. It would have to be a buyout to Cleveland. Um, Paul George, not out of the question to go there either. It's just finding the right pieces to fix. They don't have a lot of draft picks to move in trades, so they're going to have to figure out what piece they really can move here. Um, Quentin Capella was great for them inside, 
I think they'll be able to create for him and throw him some lobs, you know, get him involved when they do create. But they do need, I think, another piece. I liked Patrick Beverly when he was rumored to be coming to the Cavaliers. I got really excited last year at the trade deadline. But I think that they, they made the move they had to make. And now it's just finding that extra piece, whether it be, you know, wheeling and dealing because they traded for seven cash considerations to try to make something happen. So we'll see, you know, what exactly that piece ends up being. But if they're not going after Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin or a big name like that, they just simply can't afford them. Yeah, and I was hearing talks that Chris Paul leaving uh, Los Angeles Clippers had in due part to the Carmelo Anthony not being traded to the Clippers. I know he had asked for that and that they were in talks with the Knicks the past couple seasons to acquire Carmelo Anthony. I think they really want to play together. I know if anybody listens to part of my take, it's the banana boat. Hopefully at one point we're going to see Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Chris Paul all on one team together. Of course, they have to leave Chris Bosh off of that for some reason. But ultimately, I still feel that team wouldn't be able to contend with the Golden State Warriors of today. Free agency has a lot to offer, so we're going to see what happens in the coming uh, months. We're very excited because we feel this is the best season uh, of the NBA. So that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge with Wits and Roz. Brennan will be back next segment to talk more about NBA free agency and some other players not surrounding the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. Also, we wanted to tell you that we have new episodes every single day on YouTube, so please go subscribe at the Sporting Edge. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and now Instagram, so you can see our beautiful faces whenever you'd like. So thank you guys for tuning in, everybody. Go to LibertyTalk.fm for all of our old episodes, and we will be back right after the break. Everyone, see you then. What's up? What's up, everybody? We're back at the Sporting Edge. I'm joined by Roz and Brennan. And Brennan, we were talking about NBA free agency. Still got a couple really big names to cover, two of those being Blake Griffin and Gordon Hayward. Um, I know you had a, a strong opinion on Blake Griffin. He met with the Suns um, yesterday. Uh, what are your thoughts on him possibly ending up in Phoenix? He can sign for four years, $130 million, I think was the number they have. I just don't see it really making sense for Phoenix. If you're a team that's really committed to this rebuild, I know they were rumored in three-way trade and they didn't want Kevin Love. Kevin Love at least can stretch the floor for you in ways that Blake Griffin can't. Gives them another shooter. I think that Blake Griffin's just an older, you know, Marquise Chris for them. If they're really committed to this rebuild, Blake Griffin might improve them too much to be, you know, in real top six, top five lottery contention. So I just don't really know if they sign them, what their direction as an organization is. Yeah, I mean, Blake Griffin's really an interesting piece to me out there right now, floating in free agency. I mean, it makes zero sense for him to go back to the Clippers at this point. I mean, it would be him and DeAndre Jordan and Austin Rivers. And I know Austin Rivers is the next MVP, but for the time being, I don't think it's smart for Blake Griffin to go back there. I'm curious. They have Gordon Hayward, then Blake Griffin, in order of who they would like to come to the Boston Celtics. I, I don't know why you wouldn't put Blake Griffin first if you just kind of reduce his role a bit, little bit. He is athletic. Get him the ball in the post. Don't ask so much of him, maybe like the Clippers did. I think Blake Griffin would be an interesting piece there, having him and Al Horford down low. I don't know if you're feeling that at all, Brennan, but I know Gordon Hayward and Paul George definitely are more fluid players for that team. I think Boston needs a fluid player. They're all right inside. Amir Johnson wasn't bad. He might be on his way out, but Amir Johnson's a big body, does kind of what Blake Griffin does. Al Horford can stretch the floor for him. 
I think Gordon Hayward gives them a go-to score that they tried to draft this year with Jason Tatum. Um, or Paul George would fill that role, too. I think that's what they were really missing, especially when Isaiah Thomas went down. Marcus Smart's not going to hit seven threes a game for you. He did it one game, and they ended up winning by three over Cleveland. They need a fluid go-to scorer that can score in multiple ways. And another team with Boston, if Cleveland asks Paul George, I'm shipping Isaiah Thomas now. I'm not paying him $200 million in two years or whenever his contract's up. I would just try to get him out now and really commit to the rebuild they're doing. Danny Ainge is scared to pull any triggers anyway. He's just building up all of his assets. You're telling me they couldn't get Jimmy Butler on draft night? I don't buy it. So I think they're committed to getting Gordon Hayward first. I think this was their plan all along is try to get him and build more of the long haul and then go from there. Blake Griffin, I don't really know where he's a fit now. He's kind of, you know, Lob City is what it is. It was what it was. Um, he's had the toe injury. He's been hurt. He's not stretching the floor for you, and now the game's played in so much space that he's just going to have to be a high pick-and-roll guy. And with his toe really in question and injury concerns, are you willing to pay him $25 million a year just to go and catch lobs for you? It'll put butts in the seats, and at the end of the day, it's a business. So maybe Phoenix is thinking of it from that standpoint of, okay, we can fill up our seats and make some more revenue. But outside of that, he's not knocking down shots at the end of the game for you, and he's not stretching the floor for you. So I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of speaks to just where the the NBA game has gone. I mean, you look at the two best teams in the league really are without a dominant big man. I mean, you look at Golden State – Zaza, Pachulia, I mean, probably their true center and Draymond Green playing power forward. And you look at the Cavs, Tristan Thompson was almost non-existent in the NBA Finals. So I completely agree with you, Brennan, that I think Gordon Hayward would be a much better fit in Boston because, I mean, the game just doesn't revolve around bigs anymore. I mean, Al Horford is a great player, and I'm not going to discount what he can do for the Celtics, but... I mean, like you said, the game is played in so much more space today that you need guys who you can score and you need guys who can, you know, basically be much more versatile than a Blake Griffin can because you're right. He's not going to hit game-winning shots for you, and he's just, I don't know. He, he's, he's a guy that will fill up the seats, but he's more just more or less just a body to me. And, you know, but if he did go to Phoenix, I, I wouldn't be that surprised. If I'm picking between the power forwards on the market, I might even take Paul Millsap over. Blake Griffin at this point. Yeah, I, I think he's more of a stretch player himself. I mean, I don't I understand what's happening in Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what's happening in Atlanta where they're shipping out everybody, but it doesn't sound like Paul Millsap's going to be going back to the Atlanta Hawks. Where do you think is the best location for Paul Millsap, and where do you think uh, at the end of the day he'll end up? Paul Millsap would have been great in Houston. I don't think it's going to happen anymore. Uh I would love to see that, though, unless they do some try, kind of sign-and-trade and ship out Ryan Anderson just to try to make money fit. Um, Paul Millsap's kind of an X-factor, though, in terms of I don't really know where he'll go because he's not you know, in his prime, per se. He's more on the back end of it. Um, he's kind of been in a location where they've just been middle of the pack, so he hasn't really been that superstar name. So I think he really could have the most swinging power on where he signs in terms of he's not necessarily the top target where you were saying, you know, Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin. I think Paul Millsap falls third in the pecking order, but I think he could end up having the most impact depending on where he signed. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then thinking more about potential trades and then also potential buyouts, I was thinking about Dwayne Wade a little bit. I know that Gar Foreman is considering the idea of buying him out, and at which point would Dwayne Wade start thinking about, hey, let me chase some rings. I am at the latter end of my career. Do you think he would go to Cleveland, join LeBron James one more time? If Dwayne Wade gets bought out, I think he's in Cleveland 100%. And Chicago is another team where it's like you have to commit to what your you know, future vision is. And I think they started that with Jimmy Butler. I think the next step, you have to buy out Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade will mess around and win you seven or eight more games than you wanted to. And then all of a sudden, they'll be picking eight or nine in the lottery as opposed to, you know, four or three. And that's exactly um, the point I was so making So I think earlier. they have to buy him out. Yeah. And I, I think the Bulls front office is completely incompetent, but now they're finally making a move and they're committed to Fred Hoiberg. So if that's what they're going to do, they have to kind of, you know, they made their bed, they might as well sleep in it and buy out Dwayne Wade. Absolutely, and I think that's what they are looking to do. Like I said, after draft night, they're still a team that isn't going to get a top-four pick with Dwayne Wade and Rondo potentially still on the roster. But both of those guys can be uh, bought out. I'm actually really curious, actually looking further down the line, what is all this talk now about LeBron James potentially going to the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, I don't believe it's even... Should it, I don't even believe it should be a thought, honestly. I think... There's no way LeBron James ever leaves Cleveland again. I 100% agree with you. I don't really know why he would unless Paul George or someone else is out there and Lonzo Ball turns into what Magic Johnson said he's going to be. But they're all, I mean, it's a bunch of basically sophomores in college playing in Los Angeles right now. LeBron's going to be a year further removed from his prime. He's going to have to go through Golden State to get there, uh, to get to the finals, as opposed to just kind of coasting through the East. Um, But at the end of the day, I think when he delivered his title to Cleveland, he's content with what he's done. I mean, when you end a 52-year drought for a city on a promise you made when you were 18 years old when you got drafted, I think all pressure is off of him. He's an all-time leading point scorer in playoff history. He's going to be probably top two in every statistical category by the time his career is over. I mean, outside of the argument of, okay, yeah, he didn't go undefeated in the finals, what else does he really have to prove? If that's his thought process, he could go. I think, personally, I think he stays. I think that there's nothing else really out there that's going to offer him. I think, though, that Dan Gilbert did burn a lot of bridges with his letter, and if that's still holding over him, then... I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave again, but I don't think he really needs a third jersey in his career. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about LeBron. I mean, I don't think he really owes City of Cleveland anything anymore. I mean, he did, and he came back what he said he was going to do. I do, however, think it would be easier if they got some pieces around him like a Paul George um, rather than him going to try to play for another team um, with a bunch of young guys like the Lakers. Um, You know, I think... Although he's still unbelievable, he is getting old, and there will be a day where he will slow down a lot more. So I think staying in Cleveland makes the most sense, and you know that, that's where he's from. So he, he's very familiar um, with the fan base and everything, um, and he's also might be the greatest player of all time. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. I want to thank Brennan for joining us. Um, always great insight on basketball, and make sure you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Um, Instagram, and we'll be back after the break with some talk about Major League Baseball.
What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scotch Lady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. And we're back at the Sporting Edge, everybody. Uh, love talking about the NBA offseason, Roz, because it might be the most exciting out of the three seasons. Right up there with the postseason. Definitely the most unpredictable, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, regular season, I think, is a distant third right now in the NBA and will be probably for a few years. It's a distant fourth. You know what? I think that the NBA All-Star Weekend might be ahead of the regular season at this point. It might be. Definitely more exciting, but we got to move on. Major League Baseball, a lot of exciting stuff happening right now. Um, not for the Rockies, though. Dropped eight team. games. In, yeah. Eight games in a row. Um just falling off the cliff in a division where the Dodgers, people are saying the Dodgers might be the best team in baseball right now, and the Diamondbacks have won, I think it's like 17 out of their last 20 games. You know, this is a very inopportune time for the Do- for the Rockies to fall. Um, and eight in a row is pretty. But brutal. they do start a series with the Diamondbacks, so there is there is life. They need to come out and have a strong series when facing Arizona this upcoming stretch. Really, baseball, though, having a little bit of a tough time, not in terms of performance or in terms of everything, but injuries that are creeping up into people's lives. A lot of injuries recently in Major League Baseball. Most notably for us, it was Chris Bryant who is hurt, but again, that's only a mild angle sprain. They said he should be back in a matter of no time. A really sad injury to me was to Trey Turner, broken wrist, which he didn't even know he had. He reportedly went out and continued playing that game, had taped his wrist, saying that the motion of throwing a ball hard didn't get to him. It was when he was trying to lob balls that he really felt the break in his wrist. Obviously, the x-rays came back and showed the break. Um, and it's kind of relatable to Freddie Freeman earlier on in the season, who's missing a lot of time. Yeah, Trey Turner, I think, is a huge loss for this Nationals team. I know they've still got a ton of power in that lineup, but for a guy who would, I think has stolen already like 35 bases um, in some limited time this year, he has not been healthy the entire year. I think it's a big blow to them. He was really starting to get going. And then you look at, you know, Rendon, Harper, Murphy, Zimmerman, um, this lineup, which had already lost Adam Eaton near the start of the year. I think it's a big hit to them. I mean, this is a guy, a really a game changer, a guy who can steal bases almost at will. Really important. But, I mean, hopefully guys like Max Scherzer, Gio Gonzalez can keep doing what they've been doing. I mean, Max, Max Scherzer... Um, might be ready to join that three Cy Young list. I mean, you look at MLB history, pitchers, only nine pitchers have won the Cy Young three times. It'd be Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, um, Steve Carlton, Greg Maddox, Sandy Koufax, Pedro Martinez, Jim Palmer, Bob Seaver, and Clayton Kershaw. Pretty damn good list to be mentioned on. Yeah. And Scherzer is having another 
spectacular year. Yeah, but I think it was very key, speaking of this Nationals Cub series, that the Cubs came out with a victory on the last game. It's going to be tough going forward. I think I have to accept that the Cubs are what they are. They're not going to win many games. They're that, gonna... Thank you. Finally. I know. I think people need to join the bandwagon. The pitching is just atrocious, and they're hitting all together. They can't figure it out. But they're... but Xander, since we are talking about it, they're a team plagued with injuries as well. I mean, this yeah, I mean, Chris Bryant one is just the lace of it. They haven't know, had Jason he's... Hayward. They're without Kyle Hendricks. They're without... Um, Ben Zobra. So that team that you saw go on the field every day last year is not the same team you're seeing on the field every day this right. year. Right, but they'd been they'd been so average even before, you know, Zobris and Bryant and Hendricks went down, like I think they're just finally being what they actually are as an average baseball team. I mean all the Cubs fans, myself included, I wasn't on this bandwagon, but people are saying all year how they're gonna turn it around and there's no way they're gonna miss the playoffs. Well at a certain point you are what your record says you are. Well, I think they play in a division that I'm not ready to say they, they won't play make in the playoffs. They play a shit division. Yeah, so they still have an opportunity. I, no, I know, but th- I mean, that doesn't make them a good baseball Yeah, but team. once you get to the playoffs, I think anything really can happen. I mean, obviously it starts with Arietta and Lester I would finding not, a roof. If the playoffs started today and the Cubs team was in it, I would not fear them at all. A clean sweep, you'd think? No, I don't think it'd be a clean sweep, but like, what, what scares you about this Cubs team right now? I mean, John Lester maybe and... Even him, Anthony Rizzo. I, I don't think any of the pitching really scares me. I think Rizzo well, and, and Lester, Bryant. Lester shut down the Nationals the other night when he pitched. That's Six fair, innings, one run. I it hasn't know. been consistent, his starts. So the Cubs, you're right, aren't a very scary team at this point in time. But we still have a lot of baseball. We're coming up to the All-Star break, and people are putting together their halfway point awards. And Aaron Judge currently is on everybody's MVP and Rookie of the Year. I think it only makes sense. I think he is the best player in baseball Right now, hitting wise, it yeah. I, think I mean, because really Mike Trout tough. isn't playing, obviously, it, it'd be really tough to go against Aaron Judge right now. I mean, he's having such a spectacular season. I think was he up to what's the number? He's at twenty-seven home runs. Twenty-seven home was runs was robbed last night. Right. right. Um, it's just it's a crazy thought um, for a guy that young to do what he's done already. Um, and I think midway, I'd probably have to give it to him, but. I mean, second half of the Major League Baseball season, I think, is one of the tougher ones in sports. I mean, it's a huge grind. Yeah. Um, you know, 162 games is not easy. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. I don't. I think he definitely has not hit as many home runs in the second half as he did the first one. But, you know, you can't rule it out. It's not impossible. And then in the NL, they're talking about Paul Goldschmidt putting up an MVP caliber season so far. And I don't disagree either there. Leading in RBIs, one of the top home run hitters in the game right now, as well as his fielding has been fantastic. I think Paul Goldschmidt is absolutely deserving. Obviously, there's no Cubs players we can give it to. But obviously, Xander, I know you're a big Nolan Arenado guy. Where Do you have a case for Nolan Arenado, or do you kind of agree that Paul Goldschmidt, to this point in time, really has been performing at an MVP level? I I think he has. I think he's been a little better than Arenado so far this year. Um, Also, I mean, this recent stretch is kind of concerning for the Rockies. I don't know if it really impacts the MVP case that much, but right now I would give a slight edge to Goldschmidt. Um, But, I mean, Goldschmidt has been awesome for the past, what was it, like two or three years it's not like this is new. I mean, I I, th- I thought eventually he would win an MVP. I wasn't sure, you know, what year and in, you know what scenario, but he could definitely be that guy right now. I think he's leading um, the NL in first baseman All Star votes, which he should be. 
And we saw that graphic the other night. Anthony Rizzo was in second, and you look at the other three guys behind him. It seems pretty undeserving. I know there's a lot of fans in Chicago, but he's hitting like 260 with 18 homers, and you've got every guy behind him hitting like we got 310. Botto, yeah, Freddie Freeman. Yeah, Botto's got 23 home runs, hitting 315. It's, um, it's interesting how the fan vote works. Obviously, yeah, there, there are polls that show what stats... Um, if it was only going by the stats, who would really be in the all-star conversation? But another pre- or halfway point award was Cody Bellinger, which is Rookie of the Year for the NL. And there's really no argument there. It's not no, even close. There, there's none. I mean, this guy, I think, is, for me, the most exciting player in baseball. I know that's tough to say with Aaron Judge, but... 57 games, 21 home runs. That's Co- Cody Bellinger has that, that finish like Bryce Harper does. It's just so explosive. And he is, I mean, connected. I mean, the fastest, what was it, Gary Sanchez last year broke the record. And then Aaron Judge broke it this year for fastest person to 20 home runs in their career. Right. And then Bellinger did it in 57 games when he got to 21. So Bellinger, I completely deserve him. There's really not much of an argument there. I just would love to bring up that name because they're also talking about him in the MVP ranks. So you could have in the NL and you can have in the AL – a rookie of the year and an MVP go to the same person. I'm willing to bet that has never happened. <laughs> I we don't have that stat up in front of us right now, but I I am I know, willing to bet as well. I know it happened one year, like with one player, Ichiro, when he came over, won rookie of the year and, and MVP. Really wasn't a rookie to pro baseball though. No. to the major leagues in the U.S. He was, but he had been a pro for I think seven or eight years um, in Japan. But, yeah, Cody Bellinger and this Dodgers team, Clayton Kershaw comes out and strikes out double-digit guys on Thursday. Again, has another awesome start. And he's putting up another Cy Young type of year. I mean, he's It's a nice battle three. between him and Scherzer for this they're, year's Cy Young. I think they're easily the top two pitchers in the NL. And the AL is getting interesting as well in that front. Dallas Keuchel obviously hurt, but Chris Sale pitching fantastically another stretch of 10 strikeouts per game as well as how about Corey Kluber in his last five starts he has struck out 10 and gone seven innings so Corey Man, Kluber is getting Corey, hot in the month of when June. I think of workhorse MLB pitchers Corey Kluber is the guy that I think of had a rough start to the year but yeah injuries um but he came back. He's looked very strong since then. And we kind of alluded to it last week on the show that we think the Cleveland Indians are going to be bouncing back and kind of going with a reckless abandon, taking away this AL Central Two race. Two-game lead right now. Two-game lead, exactly where they were last week when we were talking about them. But Corey Kluber, keep him on the lookout. I think he's getting really, really hot. Obviously, we like Chris Sale and whenever Dallas Keuchel comes back. And Lance McAllister. Uh, Lance McCullers. McCullers. <laughs> I am so bad with last name Sporting Edge fans, and I hope you understand that. But I will get that right just like I did get Kapeka, who I said wrong again. <laughs> Kepka. And uh, that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. Pardon my poor last name pronunciation, but we'll be back with more and better stuff. Follow us on all of our social media. We are the Sporting Edge with Wits and Roz at LibertyTalk.fm and AMFM247. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back here for our last segment of the day. And we've been talking about the MLB. We've been talking about the NBA left and right. And you kind of get a little bored of that during the summer months. So we need to spice it up a little bit. And we're going to go to... We're making our own big three here. We're making our own... We're bringing the NFL back. We're bringing the NFL back. And it's 
end of June. So this is almost like Christmas in the summertime. We're going to give you NFL in the summertime. Because I know training camp's right around the corner and a bunch of other stuff. I'll actually be headed up to the stockholders meeting in Green Bay where we're going to do an episode and some video content up there. So be ready for that. But we do have the NFL Top 100 Players of 2017, which came out this week. And I think me and Xander are about to disagree in some areas. Let's just put it at that. So obviously, clear-cut number one, which I don't have a lot of problems with other than they should put a dash next to it, is Tom Brady-Bill Belichick. So I think Tom Brady, rightfully so, is number one coming off a Super Bowl championship. No, they don't don't have to put Bill Belichick next to it. I think they do. Why? I think at this stage in his career, Aaron Rodgers is the most dynamic quarterback and would be... I think Aaron Rodgers wins every single year with a Bill Belichick system. Well... And Tom yeah, Brady just has that right now. I don't think Tom Brady is... I don't think that should be a part of the top players, though. I mean... I just think that the system Tom, Tom Brady, Brady is better in is... statistically also than Aaron Rodgers this year. Okay. But... But what? I think Aaron Rodgers... If you're building a team right now... Okay, but starting but in 2017... No, no, no. It's not is. this list, though. It's the top 100 players of 2017. It's not... Who are you taking to build your franchise around in the future? All right, so I guess we already do have problems here at, on the number one. Tom Brady well, dash, wrong, of dash Bill problems. Belichick for number one. Number two, I have a problem with. Why? Khalil Mack won Defensive Player of the Year this year, yet Khalil Mack is five on this list, and Von Miller is number two. Now, I think Von Miller, who has also been Defensive Player of the Year, is fantastic, but if you just made the point about it being about 2017, Khalil Mack should be ahead of Von Miller here. I see you're wrong again there because you know I don't care about the award from last year. You know Von Miller has won the award before, and just because the writers didn't see him as the best defensive player, Khalil Mack was the most explosive player I saw on television all last fall. Well, I thought it was Von Miller, so there. I mean, there's a disagreement, and obviously the NFL people thought it was Von, Von, Von Miller's a better player going into 2017. Then why didn't he win Defensive Player of the Year for doing the year of 2017, which you just made that argument for? Khalil Mack should absolutely, by far and away, be no, no, ahead of Von 2017 Miller. No, no, is for next year. Okay. The 2017 year starts in September. Then he's still, but that's fine. He's still coming in as the best defender. In my no, see, no, you're just confusing the points now. Like he might have won the award last year. That just because Matt Ryan won the MVP doesn't mean like if he would have won the MVP. Yeah, but they're basing it off of the year before because you don't just have this knowledge that in 2017 Von Miller is going to be better than Khalil Mack. So you have to base it off of some. No, they're not saying he's going to be better. They're just saying here are the top 100 players of 2017. And they have Von Miller ranked ahead of Khalil Mack, which I would, is not a big deal at all. I would put Khalil Mack ahead of Von Miller, but that's totally okay. fine. And after that, we got the 3-4, which is both wide receivers. And we'll tell you that the 8 is also a wide receiver in Odell Beckham. But the 3-4 is Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. I agree. I think Julio Jones is the best wide receiver in the league currently. He's the most physically gifted wide receiver out there. I know he's battled some injury issues, but... By far and away would probably be my first pick in any fantasy draft. By, by far and away because... I disagree again. Again, we're, we're moving forward in life. People are getting older. Who's getting there older? are more players now, more options in Pittsburgh. I think Antonio Brown, yes, who's number four, could be... One of the or could be the number one pick you take at wide receiver. But I think that those times are also changing. I, think I don't that think it, they are. I think Julio Jones might be better physically gifted and be faster. Antonio Brown is the most dynamic wide receiver in the NFL, and there's really no argument for that. Hey, without Big Ben there, you could look at his stats, the games that Ben... Matt, what about Matt He Ryan? has never scored a touchdown. 
when Ben Roethlisberger isn't on the field. And Matt Ryan is probably also susceptible to injuries like Ben Roethlisberger. But Ben Roethlisberger no, he, has no, more not. injuries in his career and is more... Like is not as durable. What are you trying to tell me? What that, I'm telling you is that, Ben Roethlisberger is older. I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to play all 16 okay, games this that, year. That's fair, but that's, we're not talking about you know. That's comparing their fantasy value with no. But I just wanted to bring we're you, talking you, about the top 100 players. No, and I still think that that's that doesn't totally make fine. big. Ben I was talking about fantasy. I was talking about fantasy right there. And I was talking about fantasy. Okay. No, well, we're we're talking NFL, so we're covering both topics. I was talking fantasy right there, and I think that. Julio Jones is going to be the better fantasy player. But on this list... That, that could, that's possible. On this list, I don't have a problem where they are either right now. I, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just saying. I mean, look yeah. at... The, uh, Julio Jones basically won the Super Bowl for the Atlanta Falcons if they would have decided to run the ball with Freeman after the catch he made. That was the greatest catch I've seen in a long time. I'm not... I, being able never to never give the Super Bowl to somebody on one play. That one he made. set them up for victory, and they blew it by that sack... But it was don't, you can't. There's no way you can compare a game on one play. I know it was a great play, and like they could have won the game after that. But there's just football is so much more about one. I agree. One but play. in the clutch moment of the game, he okay. was able to toe tap his way in on one of the best catches I've seen in a Super Bowl. Right. Obviously not as good as Antonio Holmes on the Pittsburgh Steelers, but fantastic catch. And then six, I'm still mad about, but I don't really want to argue. Six is Aaron Rodgers. You want to get your a little, again? a little low. A little low here, but you know, I, one day he'll be number one, and everyone will have to kiss his feet. I am pro Aaron Rodgers all the way. Unfortunately, he'll be six here. We also covered Odell Beckham at eight, and this is what I'm interested in. So, a rookie. I completely disagree with Zeke at seven. I completely disagree with Zeke at seven as well. And it's not that he couldn't be seven. It's just I saw one year, and I got I got to see a very, very good running back get to rush behind the best offensive line in football. I'm not taking anything away from him, but I think to say that he's better, a better player than Le'Veon Bell right now is just, it's asinine. Asinine was the word I was going to go with as well. One year based off of it. In fact, if you guys don't remember, the 8P year, he ran for 2,000 yards. He still wasn't even the number one player in the NFL Top 100 the following year. And Ezekiel Elliott didn't do anything other than he did set the rookie record and everything, but... To be the number one running back and to be that high up on the list where AP wasn't even selected number one after his fantastic year, I just think it's a little high right now for Ezekiel Elliott. And I think, like you said, Le'Veon Bell, like you said about Antonio Brown, I don't think there's anybody more dynamic for the running back position than Le'Veon Bell. How like how well he plays catching the ball and everything, I just I think Le'Veon Bell is my number one running back. And could be the number one pick again. Hopefully he's done smoking weed for the time being so he won't have to miss the first three games. The weed. The weed. You gotta stay off the weed. You have to because Le'Veon Bell has been suspended two years in a row or battled injury the year before that. So they need to keep Le'Veon Bell on the field. Tell him to stop smoking the weed. But we got it number... Well, I I have a huge problem with these kinds of lists anyways because in a sport like football where the positions that you play are so different and not only... You know, comparing offensive defensive players when you only play one position, I think is so hard. It's just such a kind of just like a crapshoot comparing them. Like, how can I compare the impact of like a left tackle and you know like a cornerback? No, I agree. on this kind of list, it's just like in basketball, it's so much easier. Yes, there's five different positions, but everybody you know plays offense, can shoot, can get rebounds, and get assists. They can all play defense and baseball. 
you hit in field, and then there's pitchers. Yeah. Like this this kind of list in the NFL is kind of silly to me. Hey, but it's the only NFL you get during the summer. Right. And yeah. if I could bring up one point since we gave you the top ten, I am beyond upset with the idea, and I guess, Xander, I don't know if you'll agree or not, that Dak Prescott is 14th on the top 100. He's ahead of Drew Brees, who is 16. And I know Drew Brees' Saints teams don't didn't do as well as Dak Prescott, but I don't think Dak Prescott is in the area of greatness that Drew Brees has been in. The 5,000-yard seasons, the amount of touchdowns he's amassed in his career. Well, again, the list uh, Rookie is, year. I know. I, and I'm not saying I disagree with you, but list is top 100 players 2017. It doesn't matter what you did I still think, I think Drew Brees is going to have one heck of a year. Let me tell you that. I think Drew Brees is a quarterback to pick. I know they lost Brandon Cooks, but... This is a, He's a, still one of the top quarterbacks in the game. I did like Derek Carr at 11, but unfortunately that's all the time we have to talk about the NFL. Maybe we'll bring it back up in future shows. We're definitely going to be excited for training camp. But you know where we are. We're at LibertyTalk.fm and AMFM 24-7. This is Wits and Roz at the Sporting Edge. Be sure to follow us on social media, everybody. Have a great and fantastic 4th of July weekend. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.